We're going to go to a couple of texts today, three texts to be specific. We'll make them all make sense with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can use, as you've heard me say, your iPhone, your iPad, or your eyelids because it's going up on the screen. Romans chapter number 12, beginning in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This doesn't have anything to do with my message, but how many of you know what we do with our bodies matters? Amen. Amen. It's the beginning of the year and everybody is trying to lose weight. And if you're not trying to lose weight, we hate you. We really, really do hate you, okay? But anyway, verse number two says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Luke chapter number 15, verse 11 says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. How many of you know that sometimes the reason why God doesn't give us what we ask for is because we'll waste it? God doesn't give us sometimes what we ask for because we're not ready to receive it. And so sometimes God has to push the pause button on what he really wants to do in our life. Because if he gives it to us before we're ready for it, it won't do us the good that it's meant to do in our lives. It goes on and it says, in, um, But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. This was a blessed place for this young man. Even though it was a bottom place, it was a blessed place because how many know that sometimes we have to hit rock bottom in order to turn the right way? That's what happened to him. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough in despair, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. Last verse, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. This is the text from which the name of the series and today's sermon comes from. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be on your guard and stay woke. It says stay awake, but some of you know it says stay woke. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion, sneaking around to find someone to attack. Today we're embarking upon a new series for this new year. It's about how changing your mind can change your life. And I want to minister to you on what First Peter says when it says stay woke or stay awake. Because I believe with all my heart, and you'll see that this is borne out in the scriptures, that living the life that God has designed for you has more to do with what you do with your mind after salvation than just giving your life to Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus... Would you speak to our hearts? Would you make this message relevant and real? Would you help each one of us to live the life you've designed for us? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. The phrase, stay woke, is a term that has come about in recent times to uh, teach people or to tell people to, to be aware of what is happening when it comes to social injustice. To not just um, look at what is reported in the media or by the powers that be, but to look behind what is happening visually to the systems that are in place that often marginalize people. And it's to that extent that I want to use it, but not from a social injustice point of view, 
But from the point of view of, of calling the church to a place of clarity, to a place of awareness. And that place of awareness is that when life begins to happen around you, when it begins to crumble, when things don't begin to go the way that, that God would have them go in your life, I want you to stay woke. I want you to realize that there's something that is going on behind the scenes, that, that when the life that God has de- de- uh, defined for us and, and, and designed for us to live is not what we're experiencing. There is an intentional uh, battle going on behind what we can see for our mind. Matter of fact, I I want you to know that, that you don't change your life by changing your life. So many people talk about, well, I'm going to change my life and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do the other thing and this is going to change my life. But you don't change your life by changing your life. You you change your life by changing your mind because we're going to see today that your life will follow where your head is at. That the truth of the matter is in life, your mind is always the first thing to go. That if you can't get your mind to go in one direction, no matter how saved your spirit it is you are not going to go in that direction and so it's to this end that God is bringing us to this series to learn how to wake up our mind and first Peter talks about this it says be sober and when it says be sober it's not talking about you know don't get drunk on 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 alcohol I mean why would he have to write to Christians and tell Christians don't get drunk on alcohol I mean, if you're a Christian and you need to be told, don't get drunk on alcohol, there's something that needs to be tinkered around with your Christianity. Now, I realize that there are some people who have to work through those kind of things and no condemnation being cast, but, but that's not what he's talking about. And it's amazing to me, you know, I have friends, I'm, 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 I'm approaching 50 right now. No, 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 you're supposed to go, really? Seriously, Pastor? And, and, you know, I have these friends, you know, they're, they're, they're in their 50s or approaching 50s, and, and they're still talking about, let's get together and go hang out at the bar and drink. And I'm like, seriously, y'all, you're like 50, you know, when do you, when do you get to grow up? When do you get to realize that that is not the definition of fun, right? And anyway, he's not talking about don't drink. What he's talking about is, is staying alert in your thinking. He's, he's, he's talking about, Opening your eyes to what is happening. He's talking about thinking clearly, staying alert, because your adversary, the devil, the scripture says, roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Translation, wake up your mind, look out for what's going on in your head, because the devil is looking for weak-minded people to attack. If he can destroy your mind, he can destroy your life. If he can gain access into your head, he can destroy the life that God has designed for you to live. And so God comes along and he says, wake up to what's up. Wake up to what's going on. Stay woke. And all throughout the scriptures, we are told this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 puts it like this. It says, lest Satan should gain an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, I, I like this verse because it tells us that Satan shouldn't have an advantage of us. As Christians, we have the advantage over him. We've been given dominion, power, and authority over the works of the enemy. We have the same power available to us living on the inside of us that rose Jesus from the dead. Satan should not have an advantage over us, but I've pastored for far too long to know that Satan indeed does have an advantage over many believers. 
And the reason why as an evangel for many believers is because of this thing. Devices, which when you come from the Greek, literally means mind games. See, the way Satan gains an advantage of us, he uses deceit and trickery in order to destroy dominion. This is exactly what he did with Adam and Eve, didn't he? He goes to Adam and Eve and he says, ah, you could really eat that. God's just trying to tell you not to eat because he knows that if you eat of the tree, you'll be like him. And God wants to be the only one like him. And God doesn't want anybody to be as powerful as him and as all-knowing as him. And so you can eat of it. God's just holding out on you. He used deceit to take away their dominion. And that's exactly what goes on. He uses the mind. He's looking for a pathway into your brain. And so God comes along and he says, stay woke. Wake up to what's up so that you know how to have the advantage over the enemy. And notice our main text, Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word transformed is the word where we get the word metamorphosis from. And it, it literally describes how, to, how a caterpillar morphs into a butterfly. And when you look at a caterpillar and a butterfly, they look like two different things, right? Caterpillars are ugly, butterflies are beautiful, and caterpillars crawl, and butterflies fly, and caterpillars are slow, and butterflies are quick. Caterpillars are easy to catch, butterflies not so much. Caterpillars consume, butterflies pollinate. They look like two separate things, but the reality is when you break it down to the DNA level, they are one and the same. Inside of the caterpillar lies a butterfly. And so what is God telling us as we approach upon the new year? He's saying that in order for you to become everything that was put in you to become, you have to go through a metamorphosis. But here's the thing. The metamorphosis only begins by giving your life to Christ so that Christ becomes the center and the focus, the basis point upon which all of our mindsets are derived from. But unless you change your mind, be transformed where? In the renewing of your mind. Then you will not experience the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God translation unless you morph in your head from the way that you might have been taught to think or the way that the world thinks into the way that God wants you to think. You will never become a butterfly and you will stay a caterpillar for the rest of your life even though you're saved. See, what's happening in the body of Christ is that there are so many people who have settled for salvation. And I know that that almost seems like theologically incorrect because salvation is such a wonderful thing, right? It is the, the epitome of all things. It is the greatest gift of all. But see, God wants more for us than just salvation. Because if all God wanted for us is salvation, then after we give our life to Christ, he'd kill us. But there is a life that God has designed for us to live. It is a good, acceptable, and perfect life. It is a life that we were created for. And here's what God is saying. In order to live that life, you must be morphed in your mind. You must think differently. And so that's what the series is all about. How do we change our mind? How do we stay woke? How do we wake up to what God's already put on the inside so we don't crawl through another year like caterpillars, but rather we fly like butterflies? And here's what I want to do today. I want to give you this on three levels. I want to talk to you about what's happening scientifically. I want to talk to you about what's happening spiritually. And then I want to give you a solution for how to stay woke. And so here we go. When we go to the scripture, I want you to notice that the scripture says to be renewed in your mind. 
Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Scientifically, this would be better said by the rewiring of your brain. The rewiring of your brain. What do I mean? Well, until recently, medical science believed that the brain you have was the brain you'll always have. That the way your brain is, is the way that it will always be. But recent studies in medical science have determined that that is no longer true. That the brain is what they call neuroplastic. And there's a whole uh, sphere, sphere of study that's called neuroplasticity of the brain. And basically what it means is that the brain can be rewired to work differently than it's currently working. And just for the case of, of those people who might think they're smarty pants and think, well, well, you know, what gives you the right to say something like that? You're not a scientist and so on and so forth. Well, I sat down with a neuropsychologist who has studied, and I said, is everything that I'm going to tell them correct? Read my notes. And they said 100%. The brain can be rewired to work differently than it's currently working. How so? Well, let me put it to you this way. You, you have these, these, these ridges in your brain, right? Everybody knows that. You, you know, when you see a brain, it, it kind of is ridgy and stuff like that. We'll call them pathways, right? Those pathways are basically the instructions on your brain that tell your brain what to do. The good news is that you can create new pathways on your brain. You can do it. And, and here's how it works. You first need to know that the mind and the brain are not the same thing. The mind and the brain are two different things. The mind tells the brain what to do. The mind collects thoughts. Thoughts from all different places. And those thoughts, when they are taken, that's why the scripture says, take no thought saying. You can take thoughts. When thoughts are taken, those thoughts become the instruction to the brain. And then what the brain does is the brain then transmits those instructions to the rest of the body, which determines how you are and the experiences that you have. And so in reality, if we back it right up, everything begins with a thought. And you've heard that before in other venues in life. So a thought, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny, right? So the thought produces the destiny, but it just transmits in different ways. So here's the way it works scientifically is the brain, through the gathering of thoughts, tells the brain what to do. I'm sorry, the mind, through the gathering of thoughts, tells the brain what to do. The brain then transmits to the body, and those things manifest physiologically, emotionally, and spiritually. Matter of fact, we know from recent science that the brain, when it captures these instructions from the mind, then switches certain genes on and certain genes off. This is called epigenetics. In other words, certain things are triggered in you by the thoughts that become instructions to your brain. And most of the things that we do happen at the subconscious level. 99% of all brain activity happens at the subconscious level. And so you are on automation. That's why you default to certain things. That's why no matter how hard you try, you find yourself, boom, you're back doing the same thing again. And you're trying to bake, and boom, you're back doing the same thing. Because your brain has been wired, and that wiring has created an automation that happens in you. Now watch this. Eric R. Candle, Nobel Prize winning neuropsychiatrist, said this. He said, our thoughts, even our imaginations, get under the skin of our DNA. 
and can turn certain genes on and certain genes off, changing the structure of the neurons in our brain. Neuroplasticity. So this is why, because of these thoughts that become instructions to the brain that then get disseminated to the body that turns stuff on and turns them off. This is why we are the way we are. This is why some people are grouchy and some people are happy. It's not because you were made to be a grouch. If you get around people like that, well, that's just not my disposition. Well, I just don't say hi. Excuse me? Really? Like, you're a Christian, though. Yeah, I know, but that's not the way God made me. No, no, it is the way God made you. I promise you the way it's God made you. I promise you God didn't make you to be, you know, an Eeyore in life. I promise you that God made you to be happy. I promise you that God made you to say hello. I promise you. But, but, but something not working right, right? So it's, it's the reason why some people, uh, excuse my, overeat. And some people hardly eat at all. Some stuff has been turned on and turned off. It's, it's, it's also why some people can eat and 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 eat, 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 eat and never get fat, which I hate those people. I want to, like, <laughs> let's have another crucifixion for all those people, right? <laughs> it's why some people are pessimistic all the time. Some people are optimistic all the time. It's like these, these, these two little boys I heard about. The parents, you know, had one kid. He was an eternal pessimist, the other kid an eternal optimist. And, and they were really severe in their, in, their, in their optimism and pessimism. So the parents said, we got to do something about this. It was Christmas time. So the father got this idea. We'll put in one kid's room, the pessimist room, we'll put all these toys. And in the other kid's room, we'll fill it with horse manure. <laughs> the optimist. And, and they said, go up in your rooms and play. And, and two hours later, both kids come out. And the pessimist has got his head down like this. And the dad said, well, didn't you play with your toys? He said, no. I didn't even open them. He said, if I opened them, I knew they were going to break. And when they break, I would just be disappointed. So I just left them all in the box. <laughs> and the other kid, he came out, he had a pool all over him. And he's happy. He's like, oh, this is so great. And the father's like, why are you so happy? He said, I knew if I kept digging, I'd find a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> Something is happening at the genetic level to make people look at positive and negatives the way that they often do and here's what God is saying to us Romans chapter 12 verse number 2 with all that understanding he says be not conformed to this world but be a transform in the renewing of your mind the rewiring of your brain that you may prove what is that good acceptable and perfect will of God that you may experience the good perfect and acceptable life that God has designed for you short version of it to rewire your brain and experience the life God's designed for you here's the way it works scientifically mind to brain brain to body which determines outcomes and experiences that's what's going on say pastor why is this important for us to understand well the same way it's important for you to to read the owner's manual in your car which i rarely do and so there are contraptions in my car that after the lease is up i return back and the guy's like how did you like that feature i'm like that feature was in the car He's like, yeah, of course. And you don't know. In other words, you get some use out of the car. I know how to turn it on and I know how to drive. But the only way that I can get all the features out of the car, maximum out of the car, is if I know how the car operates. And here's the thing with many Christians. We don't understand how we were meant to operate. And so we just think, stick a verse in for 20 minutes and life is going to change. And that's not what happens. And so God comes along and he says, he said, we need to realize it's, it's mind to brain, brain to body, and therefore outcomes and experiences. And because of this, 
Here's what's actually happening. When you live life, you are capturing thoughts. Some thoughts you are intentionally capturing through, through what you give yourself to. Some thoughts are, are placed upon you through no fault of your own. You go through life experiences, right? Your upbringing, the values that you were taught or not taught, right? Um, from friends and family, the, the victories and de- defeats and the love you received or didn't receive and the words of affirmation or, or the words of criticism, the educational opportunities or lack thereof, the pain and the heartaches, the joyful experiences and the triumphs, the environments that surround us or don't, the things we read or give our eyes to or listen to, all sorts of things are launching thoughts our way. And some of these we choose to let in and some of them they just get lodged there. You know, everybody talks about the formative years, between zero and five is, is, is when, when most important for kids. I believe that's true when we give our life to Jesus Christ, by the way, right? Because I believe that's part of the reason why God wants to, wants to give us a born again experience so that we can start from a baseline and be programmed the right way. That's why discipleship is so important for the Christian because even though you may know that you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, you haven't yet learned how to think according to the Word of God and that takes time and that takes teaching and it's so vitally important because if you don't get that teaching and that learning, you'll be a saved Christian that lives and looks like a sinner. You will not experience the life that God has for you. You've got to rewire your brain. All these thoughts are coming in and they lodge in our mind and they become automated in our brain and they dictate the experience that we have. So, watch this. If the enemy can mess with the things that produce your thoughts, he can screw up your life. So therefore, if he screws up your family as you're growing up, now, all of a sudden, you look and you think, huh, that's what a man is supposed to be like. And it's not what a man is supposed to be like. And then all of a sudden, you don't know how, you don't know why, because you know intuitively that the type of man that you're drawn to is not the right type of man, but yet you're drawn to him anyway. And you have no idea why. And you keep trying to break that cycle over and over again, but you go right to it again and again and again because it was put in you. It was put in you. It was formed there. He messes with your experiences or he comes into your marriage and your marriage has been going good but all of a sudden starts to go bad and thoughts begin to fly in the circumstances because you can't get them to change like you want them to change. And so all of a sudden you think they'll always be like that and then you think you made a mistake and before you, before you know it, not only do you think you made a mistake but you're convinced you made a mistake and so now you're going to exit the marriage because you believe that the grass is greener on the other side and suddenly you realize the grass is not greener on the other side and you repeat the process. Because thoughts have been, have been placed in you through all sorts of mechanisms and means. And so what the enemy loves to do is he loves to get involved in circumstances and things that are happening because he knows that that's where we capture thoughts for that eventually will lodge into our mind if we don't know how to, how to only take the right thoughts and our experience begins to get messed up. And so spiritually, something is happening. Scientifically, mind, brain, to body and experience. Spiritually, there's a battle going on for your mind. And over and over again, the scripture talks about this mind battle as the primary mind battle for the Christian. Watch this. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. Again, be on your guard. Stay awake. Your enemy, the devil, is, roar, is like a roaring lion seeking 
uh, sneaking around to find someone to attack. What's he looking for? Access into your head to screw up your life. 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should gain an advantage of you, we're not ignorant of his devices. What's he looking for? He's looking for a way into your head so he can screw up your life. Watch this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse, chapter 10, verse number 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of what? What's a stronghold? It's, it's mental slavery. Is something that lodges in your brain, that, that wires into your brain, that becomes your mindset, that becomes automatic in your life. It's there, and it's a stronghold, and it can't just be pulled down by quoting one scripture for one minute. Something else has to take place. Watch this. He says, casting down what? Arguments. What's an argument? Anybody ever feel a fight going on in your head? What, what's happening? There's a battle going on for your mind. Notice everything. Stronghold, arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge. Where's knowledge? Here. Of God. Bringing every what? Thought into captivity. Here's what God is saying. God is saying that you can't just allow rogue thoughts to go unchecked. Every thought matters. And if rogue thoughts go unchecked, they will eventually lodge into your mind. And they will then lodge or wire into your brain. And that will put you in an automated state that you are not meant to be in. And it will dictate outcomes in your life. One more scripture on this battle that's going on for our mind. And I could go on for the whole service just showing you scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture on the battle that's going on for your mind. But Ephesians chapter 6, this is the, the armor of God chapter. It begins, we know, with a, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual weakness in high places, right? And then verse number 11 says, so put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against, notice the word, the what of the devil? Wiles. It's an interesting word, isn't it? What's a while? A while is a mind manipulation game. It's trickery. It's deceit. So notice how he's telling us that the enemy is going to attack us through these mind manipulation games and deceit. And then if you read through, he gives all this armor. And in verse number 17, he says, so put on the helmet of salvation. What does a helmet do? Protects your head. What is God trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us there's a battle that is going on for our mind because the enemy understands how we were made to function and we don't understand how we were made to function. And so we just allow ourselves to go off and think aimlessly any way we want to and we allow ourselves to meditate on things that aren't productive and we allow ourselves to stew in bitterness and stew in unforgiveness and stew in jealousy and stew in thinking on things that we shouldn't be looking at because we think oh this is cool and this is fun meanwhile what is happening is we are subjecting our life to an outcome and when you realize how important your thoughts are you'll never think about them cavalierly again so let me show you what's literally taking place here and um, I'm going to need some some volunteers here okay come on yeah you can come too come on 
Now, I just want you all to know I know karate and everything. I will knock you out if you just play games. Okay? Come on, one. You want to help me, Ricky? Since you're okay. Anybody else want to help me? Michael, you want to help me, please? I know you didn't, I know you didn't volunteer. Does anybody else want to help me? Can I get a want to help me? Okay, come on. Okay, come all the way across here. First person over here. Right there, little space, second person here, straight line, third person, you're the most important one here. Isn't that cool? What's your name? Marcelo. Marcelo, right there, buddy. Michael over here. Right over here. No, leave a little space. Don't crowd each other, you know? Need a little bit more space. Okay, good. So I have some shirts that I made for y'all. You don't get to keep these because I need these. So this this shirt is the devil. So you are the devil, please put it on. Put the devil shirt on. <laughs> Don't worry about it, man. The devil wears Prada. Wear it proud, you know? Um, the second shirt is, is the flesh. You are the flesh. There you go. The third shirt, this is the, this is the shirt that we are fighting over. This is the soul. This is the mind. That's you, man. Go ahead and slip that on. All right. The fourth shirt, this is the spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit, the true you. You are a spirit that possesses a soul and lives in a body. Right? This is the part of you that's eternal. This is the part of you that leaves your body when you, when you leave this earth and goes into one of two places, either in the presence of God or in a place called hell. Right? So this is your spirit. You're the spirit, Michael. There you go, man. And, and look at this. This yuck, lucky young lady gets to be God. Who said God wasn't a female? Go ahead. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the devil whispering to the flesh. And when I talk about that, I need you to whisper in his ear. Okay, not just a little bit, the whole time I'm talking about it, okay? And, and you know, use your hands so that you, you, you don't have your lips on his ear, because that's kind of weird, especially because he's a man, right? right? And, and, you know, anyway. And then, and then when I talk about the flesh whispering to the soul, then, then you go ahead and whisper to him. And same thing when I talk about God whispering to the spirit and the spirit whispering to the soul. You, you guys do that, okay? Act it out. Give him a visual. Okay, so, so here's what's happening is the way that the devil battles for your mind. I didn't say whisper yet. Okay? Okay. The way that the, way that the devil battles for your mind is he, he whispers to the, the flesh. And here's what he says to the flesh. He says things like, you know, go ahead and live for yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. That the most important thing in life is how much money you can have. And that, you know, what she don't know really won't hurt her. And so go ahead and do all of the looking and cheating that you want. And it's, it's okay, you know, if uh, you lie a little bit as long as the outcome is okay. And, and uh, you know, don't, don't, don't worry. You know, nobody's going to see you do that. So go ahead and do that. And so the devil whispers to the flesh. And then the flesh whispers to the soul. And the flesh says things to the soul like, well, you know what? The, 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 the outcome, the outcome is going to be really good if you do this. And, and don't worry, God, God will still love you, so it's okay. And the only reason why God doesn't want you to do this is because God's just trying to hold out on you. And, and really don't worry about what you heard in church last week because what does that preacher know anyway? I mean, yeah, look at his life. And, and, and I'm just telling you, do this. It's fun. You're going to be happy if you do it. And so the flesh starts whispering to the soul. Now, what happens is when the soul likes what the flesh is saying and begins to mind the things of the flesh, I want you all to link arms, link arms, link arms, link arms. What happens is the devil then is able to pull 
the soul that way. Stop. And, and, and then the person begins to live the life that the devil wants them to live and the life that God has wanted them and designed them to live is aborted. And so he steals, kills, and destroys everything God has created for you. Now go on back. But there's another side to the equation. And the other side to the equation is what the devil does God can do better. Matter of fact, all the devil does is a cheap imitation of what God does. And so God speaks to our spirit. He whispers to our spirit and he says things like, I have a good plan for your life. I have a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. A plan to give you a bright future and an expected end. And I know that shortcut looks like it's going to get you what you want quicker, but I'm telling you that's a trap right there. And I'm telling you if you'll just remain faithful and you'll just keep walking that thing out and, and keep just doing what I've asked you to do, eventually you'll experience my blessing and the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow. You can have both if you do it my way. And don't put yourself first. Just just put me first in your life and, and be a high character person and, and learn about me. And all of a sudden, God starts whispering to the spirit. And then the spirit starts whispering to the soul. And the spirit starts saying, yeah, did you hear that? I mean, what a life God has planned for you. Matter of fact, Jesus came that he might give you life and that you might have it more abundantly. And, and, and if you follow the ways of Jesus, you'll be blessed coming in and blessed coming out. And, and if you follow the ways of Jesus, when those weapons form against you in life, they won't prosper because you'll be on God's side. And so just, just don't let your flesh talk you into that thing because your flesh is trying to lie to you. And in reality, God's got something better for you. And, and when the soul, link arms, link arms, link arms, link arms, when the soul begins to listen to the spirit, God is able to pull you, stop, into the life that he has designed for you. And, and, and check this out. And you are so far away from the life that the enemy has designed for you. This is what is going on behind the scenes. Thank you all. I need the shirts back. You can take them off and get them down there. Now, now watch this. Because you all thought that, 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 that was just an analogy, but let me show it to you in the scripture. Okay. Like that. Yeah. Just lay them down. That'll be great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. New York will appreciate that later. Listen to the scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse number 5. For those who live according to the flesh. Stop. Stop. Don't look at the scripture anymore. Why do people live according to the flesh? Because it's fun. It's not why they live according to the flesh. Watch this. For those that live according to the flesh, um, set their minds on the things of the flesh. The reason why people live after the whispers of the flesh is because they've set their minds there. They, they, they've put, they, they've given their mind to that particular thing. It's more than it's just fun. It, it's that, that's become their mindset. For those that live according to the flesh do set their minds on the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit and the implication, it, because it's just grammatically, you don't need to say it again, but, but it does say it again. Set their minds on the things of the spirit. So the reason why somebody, some people live a spirit-led life is not because God loves them better. 
It, 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 it's because they have determined to focus and set their minds on the things of God more than people who aren't. For to be carnally minded, to go along, to set your mind on, is death. It kills the life God has designed for you. But to be spiritually minded is life, Zoe, the life that God designed for you to have, and peace. What's happening? There's a battle going on for your mind. And I want to show you this in Scripture. Watch. Junior, in our story, the story of the two sons. Father, we call it the prodigal story. It's the story of two sons, right? There's the younger son and the older son. I'm going to confine my remarks to the younger son, even though I think that, generally speaking, the older son tells a better story. Because the older son is usually people who have been saved for a period of time. They're the ones who... who When, when, when somebody does something carnal, they're the ones that. Or, or they, they get nervous if somebody curses around them. They're like. You know, they're the ones that just stink, stink of self-righteousness. It's like, man, they can't function in the world because they're so self Righteous. That's the older son, but I can't talk about him. I don't have time. The younger son, he's the guy that goes to the father. And he goes to the father and he says to the father, he says, give me my inheritance that's due me. Now, you, if you've been here for any length of time, you know that, that in Bible times, this is extremely disrespectful. You would never ask your father for an inheritance while he was alive because what it meant in Bible times is that I wish you were dead. And what it, what it meant was that I want what you can give me, but I don't want a relationship with you. Sounds like church. I didn't get it. Sounds like church. <laughs> Father, I, I, I'll need you to, to, to bless me, and I'll need you to heal me, and I'll need you to provide for me, fix my marriage, bring my kids home, and, and make sure this interview goes well, and I get a promotion at work, and so on. And, and the next time I need something, I'll hit you up again. <laughs> Sounds like church. And so he goes to the Father, and he asks for this, and, and, and he gets it, and, and then the Bible says he goes out, and, and, he, and he wastes it all on, on, on prodigal living. Now, here's my question. Uh, obviously, the, man, the, the kid got to the place where he hated his father. How does that happen? Did he go for 18 years straight, loving his father, loving his father, loving his father, loving his father, uh, on day uh, year 17 and 364th day before his 18th birthday, he still loved his father, and then on his 18th birthday, he woke up and decided, I hate my dad. In the words of Casting Crowns, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. Nobody ever changes in a day. What happened is, is, is Junior started nursing some thoughts. I don't know where the thoughts came from, but I know who the thoughts came from. He started nursing these thoughts, and he started looking over the fence maybe, and, and he started looking at all of his friends, and, 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 and his parents let him stay out late. And his parents were the cool parents. They had all the people come over their house and, you know, you could go drink at their house because they were the cool parents. And they didn't really supervise too much. They just let everybody do what they wanted to do and just kind of just buried their head in the sand because at least the kids were safe in the house. They were the cool parents. No, can I just get it? Don't get it twisted. They were the crazy parents. I know I just hurt some people who believe in that. 
That's not cool. That's crazy. And he's watching all this and he's thinking, man, it's so much fun. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. My dad is cramping my style. My dad, my dad's all up in my business. I can do it. I'm 18. I can do a better job knowing what's right and wrong because I'm 18. Like all of a sudden you grown. Right? And, and so nursing the thought, nursing the thought. And then he goes to his dad, and we think the day he left was the day that he asked for the inheritance and walked out. But can I tell you, he left a long time before that, because the mind is always the first thing to go. See, see that, that, that dad, that, that spouse, that, that husband, he didn't leave the day he walked out. He left a long time ago. That's just when he had the courage to get up and leave. She, she, didn't, she didn't pack her bags the day she packed her bags. She, she packed her bags in her mind a long time ago. That kid didn't quit that team the day he walked off the field. He quit that team a long time ago because the mind is always the first thing to go. And if your mind goes, eventually, guess what's going to happen? Everything else you got is going to follow your mind. And the enemy knows that and God knows that. And so now Junior has left. He bought into the thought the grass is greener on the other side. There's no greater lie in all the world than the grass is greener on the other side. No greater lie in all the world than the grass is greener on the other side. But he bought into it and he went and he lived his life. And it was fun for a while. It was like, yeah. Get to come home at two. Get to play house. Uh Uh-oh, did you just go there, Pastor? Yeah. But suddenly it just, life just converged. And Junior realized, oh no, made a mistake. Verse 17 says, when it came to his senses, translation, all of a sudden he started to think differently. Here's the thought he got. Even the servants in my father's house are eating good because he was eating out of the pig trough. Doesn't say he actually ate. He said he wanted to eat out of the pig trough. But he didn't eat out of the pig trough. Is that anybody else's testimony? You almost, but you didn't. You almost ruined your entire life, but you didn't. You almost left your family, but you didn't. You almost gave up on your faith, but you didn't. And the reason why you almost, but you didn't, is because somehow, somewhere along the way, God stepped in. And God began to do what you should have been listening to all the time. Or you tuned into what God was doing all the time. And God began to speak to your spirit. And instead of listening to your flesh, because your flesh was now in a pig pen. Thank God for the pig pens of life. Some of y'all need to pray pig pen prayers. God, put me in the pig pen. God, put them in the pig pen. God, because in the pig pen, they'll realize that the voice of the flesh is a voice that leads to death. And the pig pen, he got the thought, he, the thought was, even the servants are eating better than this in my father's house. They're having bacon and eggs with French toast and pancakes every single morning. Maybe not bacon, but you know. <laughs> and there's a pantry full of stuff. They, they get hungry, they go for a little snack, they get whatever they want. Lunchtime comes around, and they eat them big, giant, Italian hero combo 
sandwiches with salt and vinegar, potato chips, and a Snapple on the side. I mean, they're eating good. They have a fettuccine Alfredo, man. Look at them eating that and chicken parmesan, garlic bread. Man, they eating better than I. He said, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. He said, I'll go back. I will arise. Somebody say, I will arise. Somebody say it again. I will arise. Tell, tell yourself, I will arise. Train your brain. I will arise. I'm not staying in the pig pen. I will arise. I'm coming out of this thing. I will arise. I'm not staying where the devil wants me. I will arise. And go to father's house. And when his mind left, his body followed. And when his mind left, did you read the rest of the story? That's when he got a ring, and that's when he got a robe, and that, that's, that's when he got a party, and that's when he ate the fatted calf. When his mind left, listen to me, when your mind leaves, the devil can't hold you anymore. When your mind leaves, the addiction won't dog your life anymore. When your mind leaves, the forgiveness and the pain will stop dictating the terms of your life. When your mind leaves, the rest of you will go. But your mind is not going to leave all by itself. Renew your mind. Rewire your brain. How how do you do that? What's the solution? I'm going to start to give you the solution today. Four solution steps and then I'm done. Besides that, there's no good games on today anyway. Four quick practical steps. Last night's sermon was short though. Four quick practical steps for you to stay woke. The first one is awareness. What is awareness? Think about what you're thinking about. Anybody ever been on a diet? I said, anybody ever been on a diet? Look at some of the skinny people going, no. I've never been. Well, good for you. And one of the things you know on a diet, right, is they tell you, Write down everything you eat. And here's the reason why. So that you don't just, without thinking, stuff anything that you want into your pie hole. Because if you think about what you're putting in you, if you write down, like imagine this. Imagine what mine would look like. It'd be like 10 pancakes, half a pound of bagels, a half a pound of bacon, two bagels, Cream cheese, full fat. Lots of jelly because I like it sweet. Right? All of a sudden, you start looking at that. You're going, no, I know why you're fat. Because you ever get, get around people like that? I used to go to Weight Watchers. I was the only guy, Michael, the only guy in the whole thing. It was all like middle-aged ladies, right? I used to go to Weight Watchers. And this is what you would have in every single week. They get up on the scale and they go, I don't know why I didn't lose. Meanwhile, they got a bag of Dunkin' Donuts in their hand. I didn't, I didn't know why I didn't lose. And I'm not trying to say that about ladies because it meant men do the same thing, right? Well, here's the reason why you, you lose because you're not supposed to eat Dunkin' Donuts. Right? Stay woke. Be aware. Think about what you are thinking about. Number two, assess. Think about where your thoughts are coming from. Your thoughts come from four places. Influences. Is a rogue thought coming from a wrong person? 
One of the primary ways that wrong thoughts come into your mind is when you hook up with the wrong people. And what they do is if you subject, see the easiest way to subject, subject yourself to mind deceit, the quickest way is to spend a lot of time with the wrong person. They'll mess up your brain. So influences. Number two, injuries. Is the rogue thought coming from a real pain? Has something happened that you have buried and you decided that you're, you're not going to deal with it because, because it's, in your mind, too painful to deal with? But the reality of the matter is, listen, and I'll show you this in a second, it's too painful not to deal with. Injuries. Assess, assess. Inflammations. Is the rogue thought retaining its power because of something that you're doing? Are you saying words in agreement with the rogue thought? Are you watching stuff or reading stuff that reinforces the rogue thought? Right? Um, Inflammations. Last eye. Inside. Pay attention to what God is saying inside you. This is the Holy Spirit trying to help you capture your thought. So, so assess. Number three, acknowledge. Face the reality of the rogue thought. Call it wrong. And, 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 and realize that it might be from something that you, you have buried. Acknowledge it. Bring it to the light. Here's what happened scientifically. I felt like monk just then. Here's what happened. Here, here's what happened scientifically. Scientifically, when you bury a rogue thought. It doesn't go away. It wires into you and the toxicity of it makes your life get worse and worse and worse and worse. And so what we need to do in order to get the rogue thought is we need to make it vulnerable. How do you make a rogue thought and a real pain vulnerable? You bring it to light. This is scientifically how it works. That when you actually confess a rogue thought, or a real hurt, what it does is it does not reinforce it if it's confessed in the right circles and to the right person and for the right reason. What it does is it makes it vulnerable and it makes it subject to reshaping. And so therefore, when you go to Scripture, you find verses like this, all hidden things of darkness will be brought to what? Have you ever got scared of that verse? No, you haven't got, that means you haven't sinned too much. Because if you sin too much, you get scared of that. But that verse has scared me before. I'm like, no, is somebody going to find this out? You know, it's not meant to scare you. It's meant because God wants to get the toxicity out of you so that God can, can help you to get wired in the right way. How about this scripture? James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. That you may be healed for the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When your brain is screwed up, tell somebody. I don't know why I'm thinking this, but this is, now I'll talk about, I forget what the, I'll, I'll talk about, um, something linguistics in a few weeks. It's a field of science that talks about how your mouth and your head work together. Okay. But in the right context, you got to get it out. What is repentance? It's, it's admission. And what does it mean at its core? It means to change your mind. So, so you gotta, you've gotta acknowledge it. And lastly, lastly, you've gotta ask God for help. There are some rogue thoughts 
that require divine intervention. Not, not every, see, this is why we have to have grace for one another. Because maybe the reason why you're not as screwed up as them is because you haven't been subjected to the same stuff they've been subjected to. And maybe the reason why you don't have relational hangups is because you were raised in a good home and they weren't raised in a good home. And maybe the reason why they're cheap and you're generous is because you've never had money problems. See, what we have to understand is that some things are, 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 are just burned in there, sometimes through no choice of, of people's, uh, no, no personal choice. And so we need to realize that there are some things that God understands. They, they got there and it wasn't because you made a mistake and it wasn't because you made a wrong choice. It's because something happened along the way. And when something happened along the way, it set a course in your life because the enemy wants to influence through experiences. But that's why there's one experience that you are meant to have that begins the whole cycle over again. It's called the born again experience. It's when you give your life to Jesus and God says, okay, I know we're dealing with real pains and rogue thoughts, but let's start with a blank slate and let me begin to build on it. And that's why it's so important for you to be in the house of God on a regular basis and not just on Sunday and to begin as much as you can in discipleship because what happens is your mind goes through a rewiring rewiring but God realizes that some stuff is difficult and so God says it's okay to ask me for help here's what you need to think about renewing your mind as in a future weeks we'll talk about exactly how when you do your part, just the little things we talked about, which basically boil it down, think about what you're thinking about. It's like a step. How many remember when the children of Israel stepped into the Jordan River at flood stage? God said step. That was their part. But when they did, God did his part and parted the Red Seas. See, one of the things we have to be careful about, it's not mechanical. It's not all dependent upon us. There's, there's a grace element. There's a, there's, there's a supernatural element. But here's the thing. We also have to remember that God has also given us some instructions. He said, take your step of faith. And when you step, he said, I'll part the mind waters in your life. Would you stand to your feet?